0: Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CFEastBernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content.
1: Well, who was your hero when you were a kid? Do you remember? I remember mine, uh, one of mine, at least Cal Ripken Jr. Shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles, he was Rookie of the Year, two-time AL MVP, and 19-time All-Star. But what he's probably remembered for the most was breaking a record that they said was never going to be broken. Lou Gehrig's consecutive game record. But he not only beat it, he blew it out of the water. 2,632 consecutive games played. That's probably a record that'll never be beat. You know, the truth is, heroes, they inspire us. They make us want to be more than what we are. They make us, they push us to be something greater than what we really are. Well, the last few weeks, we've been walking through the book of Hebrews together. And we've been seeing how the author builds his argument for some Jewish believers as to why following Jesus is better than going back Into any old form of legalistic faith. And this morning, we're gonna look at how he closes out this letter by giving these early Christians some great examples of those who persevered in their faith despite not knowing how things would end. And by the end of our time together, what I'm hoping for us to be able to see are some key practices that every believer must take if they want to follow that example of those heroes who were faithful and lived their lives well. So let's begin reading together. If you want to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to be at the end of that chapter, starting in verse 39. So Hebrews 11, starting in verse 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart now the bible has certain books and chapters that are kind of synonymous with one word for example if you've ever been to a wedding you're probably familiar with the love chapter first corinthians 13 right? Love is patient, love is kind. You're familiar with that one. Another one is Psalm 23, a lot of times actually read at a funeral, but it's the shepherd passage. Well, this particular chapter, chapter 11 of Hebrews, is one of those types of chapters. This is called the faith chapter. And the reason it's called the faith chapter, it's actually a pretty good reason, is because the author says the word faith 26 times times in this one chapter alone. So here's what I want to do. I want us to gain a little bit of context about this passage that we just read because we went into chapter 12. So we're going to have to understand exactly what the author is doing in chapter 11. So real quick with me, look back at chapter 11, verse 1. If you look back there, you'll see that the author defines faith for us. He says, faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. Now remember, as as we've been understanding these last few weeks, these early Jewish believers are seriously considering turning back from Christian faith to their Old Testament covenant theology of conditional, like we talked about last week, conditional obedience to the law. So to help encourage this church The author points to all those revered Old Testament saints and the faith they demonstrated not in what they already had, but what they trusted God for. Just like these early believers were going to have to do as they trusted in Christ's sacrifice. Now look at verse 6 of chapter 11, because he goes on further to say that without this type of faith, the kind of faith that places its trust in God's word, and not the experiences that they're facing right in front of them, it is impossible to please God. So here's the thing. If you came in here this morning and you were seriously saying, God, how can I please you? What would please you this morning? It's faith. That's what the scripture says. It's that simple. Faith. Trust him at his word. Believe in what he's revealed to you about himself through the scriptures. Now, interestingly, these Old Testament saints and the way the author uses these heroes as he cites them one after another is actually telling the audience this whole story of God's redemptive history throughout Scripture. He's reminding them one more time exactly who God is. He's a God who saves and redeems his people. Time and time again, he's faithful to save. That's who he is. So these heroes, for the author, also make up this great cloud of witnesses that we read about in chapter 12. Now, he's, he's about to go into this really incredible metaphor, playing off the image of the Roman games and the Roman culture. So he begins this picture by saying, those who have lived their lives with persistent faith are spectators gathered around you as you are competing in the game of life. I seriously thought about using a, a scene from the movie Gladiator. You guys familiar with this movie? Russell Crowe, he plays the, general, the Roman general Maximus, who becomes a gladiator, right? And he goes around the Roman world, and he's competing in these games, quite vicious games. He's competing in these games uh, along the, 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 kind of the Roman area, the Roman provinces, in all these different coliseums and these arenas. And he, every time he goes, he's gaining more and more people that are following him that are fans. And they're sitting there, and they're shouting his name, Maximus, 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 right? And every time he lands a blow, there's just a loud cheer because they're rooting for him. That is the exact picture that the Hebrew author is trying to convey to us about this cloud of witnesses. See, we're surrounded by an audience that through the testimony of their own lives, they're now cheering for us to passionately and faithfully follow Jesus. Each one has already run their race through their own life. Uh, in in a fifth grade Sunday school class in Dallas, Texas, Dolores Holmes is a Dolores Holmes is a woman in her early 60s. And she wants to teach these fifth-grade boys, these just wiry and onry fifth-grade boys. She wants to build in them a strong biblical foundation. But they're wild and they're crazy. And so she tries to think, how in the world can I capture their attention? And she figures it out. She figures out the one thing that they are more affectionate about than anything in the world. Baseball cards. And so what she does is she teaches the lesson and she'll quiz them at the end of the lesson. And at the end of the lesson, if they've been paying attention, then they get a pack of baseball cards. Now, each week, she would go through this routine. And in the beginning, they'd come in. They were wild and crazy just every week. But when it came time for the lesson, they were attentive. They were paying attention. And I am so glad that she was faithful. I am so thankful because even though she's unknown by the world, and she's probably not going to be on the li- who's who's list, she was an important part of my cloud of witnesses. I'm grateful for Mrs. Holmes. But what about you? Who makes up for you the example and of faithfulness to Christ that pushed you to pursue Jesus? Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was a coach or a Sunday school teacher. And what about now? Right now, what would they say if they were sitting right here with you in this room? What would they say? Because their lives are cheering you on to faithfulness to Jesus, to action. So keeping them in mind, let's look at three practices that their example should spur us onto in how we follow Jesus. Now, we said earlier that the author is creating this incredible metaphor for his audience uh, of being in the Colosseum, competing in some type of race. And the word he actually uses here for race in verse 1 is the word agon. Uh, It's actually where we get the word agony. All right, So he's saying that this is the type of race that our Christian lives are going to be. It's going to be agony. That's really encouraging, isn't it? (laughs) Um, But he most definitely has in mind here a Greco-Roman game called the pentathlon, okay? And in the pentathlon, there was a five-part sporting event which had a discus throw, a javelin throw, long jump, a 200-yard run, and then it was finished off by wrestling your opponent into submission. Now, I, I was just trying to put this in my mind. I was trying to picture it, right? I'm thinking some of our high school students who are in, uh, in, in cross-country or in track, these athletics, right? And I'm imagining them going through these four different competitions and then finally just walking over to the competitor, getting them in a headlock, and just like, bam, down to the ground, right? That's exactly the kind of imagery that this author is playing off of for our lives. This is what our lives are going to look like because it's hard to follow Jesus. It's not an easy thing. Following Jesus is hard. And the truth is, you actually might be in a season right now that it seems like it's just one thing after another. It's difficult. It's hard. And can I just give you a quick aside this morning? If that's you, find a group that we talked about this morning. Find a group, because here's the thing. We were never supposed to do this Christian life alone. We were created for community. Christianity is a group project we do it together. So without others in your life encouraging you and pushing you and pointing to Jesus, you're less likely to allow the Holy Spirit to change you. Okay, so then the author of Hebrews makes a no-brainer of a statement, okay? If we really were running in a competition, this makes absolute sense. We, we would listen to him and say, okay, that's totally true. He says, throw off everything that hinders you. That's the first practice that we have to understand if we want to live faithful to Jesus is that we need to remove the weights, remove the weights. I actually love how the New Living Translation puts it. It says, strip off every weight that slows you down. I mean, why would we want to make it more difficult for ourselves than it already is by carrying any extra weight? And according to the author, he says there's two types of things that we often allow to weigh us down. The first one he says is hindrances. Now, the Greek word here for this is mass. And it's not necessarily implied that it's a negative thing. It's just anything that can slow us down in running the race in such a way to win. So here's the hard part. This could be on a list of any number of things for us that aren't necessarily sin. They aren't necessarily sin, but they're distracting us from the mission of living a life that's observantly faithful to Jesus. So it could be a hobby. It could be your choice of entertainment. It could be a friendship. Again, in themselves, they're not bad, but for you, they're slowing you down in the life that God wants for you to live. The second thing that weighs us down is sin. You know, far too many times we make excuses for our sinful behaviors. We We know what we're doing is wrong. The Holy Spirit has been convicting us of them, and we just keep on hanging on to them. But they're tripping us up as we're trying to run a race that pleases Jesus. Now, can I ask you a question? Have you ever seen someone who's competing in the 400 meter with jeans and a hoodie on? (laughs) Certainly not, right? Probably not. I I would think no. Why because everyone knows that stuff is going to slow them down. In fact, most of the time, the opposite happens. Competitors shave their heads or they wax off their arm and their leg hair so that there's the slightest advantage. They don't have anything hindering them. And that's exactly what the author of Hebrews is saying. Get rid of anything that would hinder you. Anything that slows you down in competing in this race. Okay, the second practice the author of Hebrews says is for us to run with perseverance. Now, if we're honest, this is a hard one too. There are so many of you who have been so faithful to Jesus. You've been committed to studying God's word. You've been committed to being in community. You've even been committed to teaching the next generation. And you're just flat out, tired. You're wore out. Please hear me. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't quit. You're almost there. The finish line is in sight. Now, Pastor Ronald didn't know I was going to do this this morning, but Pastor Ronald has led community fellowship for nearly two and a half years. And if there is anyone who deserves to sit it out, to kind of coast to the end, it's him. But you heard him this morning, get up here and say, hey, we're going to have a Bible study. I'd love for you to be a part of it. See, he's not coasting in his life. He knows the direction that he's headed. He knows where he's going and he is running with perseverance. What area of your spiritual life are you just coasting in? How's your prayer life? Are you consistently coming before the Father, pleading for the lost in your life to know him, or or maybe the friends that are around you, are you begging God to meet their needs? You know, I had to actually stop as I was writing this message at this part right here um, because I realized I was not spending enough time on my knees. I was not spending enough time in prayer, and I was deeply convicted. But what about this? What about studying his word? Have you been disciplined in spending time just reading and meditating on God's Word? Listen, I am am not trying by any means to beat anyone up in here. Like I just said, I was deeply convicted myself as I was writing this. But I don't want to live a life that's just good. That's not what I want. I want to live a life that is faithful. I want my name to be included in that great cloud of witnesses for someone, for my children, for my wife. I want my life to inspire others to pursue Jesus alongside me. The last practice is probably the hardest. Resolve to win. See, everybody who plays in any type of game has that mindset when they go into it, I'm going to win. And yet, contrary to our millennial culture, not everyone wins and gets a trophy. Think about that just for a second. Not everybody wins and gets a trophy. Truthfully, when it comes to faith, not everybody even ends. Some people don't get there. But the athlete, the player who usually finds the most success is the one who makes the game more than a game. He makes it his obsession. During the height of his popularity and career, in the midst of several endorsement deals, Michael Jordan practiced five hours a day on the court and spent two hours in the gym. And he, along with three of his buddies from the Chicago Bulls, they would get up at 5 a.m. and work out together. And when an interviewer asked him about it with this ritual group of guys, which they affectionately called the Breakfast Club, Jordan said, It was a mindset more than a workout. We wanted to be more prepared than anyone else. That's what it means to resolve to win. Nothing is more important. Nothing distracts you. You want it more than anyone else. And that's exactly what the author says. Look at verse 2. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. That idea literally means to stare down Jesus. Nothing takes your attention away from him. And this makes complete sense because Jesus himself is our prize. Jesus is the goal line. He's the end zone. He's the race tape. And every runner knows that when you are in your lane, you don't look anywhere else except the finish line. Why? Because even the slightest look somewhere else could mean that you lose. Do you know what the winners of the Roman games received as a prize? A crown, a crown of gold that was, looked like leaves. A lot of them, they would take it and they would spend it on something else. They would go and get something else to kind of be their prize. But listen to what Paul says. Paul says that while they were, kind of received a momentary trophy, he says, we run to win a crown that will last forever. See, as followers of Jesus, our all-consuming obsession has to be living on mission to know Jesus and to make him known. We should want nothing less for the end of our lives than to hear Jesus say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because when we hear those words, and only when we do, we'll know that our race has been run. Now, we fix our eyes on Jesus for another reason, because when we do, we're reminded of what he has already done. For the joy set before him, Hebrews 12, 3 says, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. See, we're reminded that he first lived a life that pleased the Father. His life led him to his sacrificial death, but did you catch how he did it? How did Jesus live this life? with joy. It was his delight to die for us. It was his joy to suffer on our behalf. I thought I would close with a a song that's deeply stirred my heart the last few years. I just want you to listen to this verse and into the chorus. Just listen to these lyrics. On that day when I go home and see my Jesus seated on his throne, I'll find a crown upon my head, a thousand jewels for every yes I said, and I'll offer it right back to him. I say yes, Lord. I say yes, Lord. I say yes. My life is yours. When you call me, I come running. I say yes, my life is yours. Those who influenced your faith, your cloud of witnesses, They've run their race well, saying yes to Jesus. And they're receiving their prize in him. But if you're here this morning, if you still have breath in your lungs, your race isn't finished. This morning, God's asking us if we'll run the race that He's set before us. And for some of us, that is getting rid of the distraction or a sin that has defeated us for far too long. For others, that that might mean not coasting spiritually, but stepping up into a place of ministry here in the church or somewhere else. And this morning, the Lord might be leading you to help with our kids' ministry that we heard about a minute ago. It's growing, and we need help with people that will lead and love our kids. Or maybe you know that you could be there for a junior high and high school student as they're asking hard questions about faith that you've already asked as well. Or maybe it means, like we prayed earlier, that we take the name of Jesus to a people group who has never heard about the Savior. Whatever God is calling you to, I pray that you would say, yes, Lord. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, that's the desire of our heart, that we would be in a place where we let everything else be thrown off, that nothing would get in the way of us running the race towards you, Jesus, our prize, and that we would hear you and what you say through your Holy Spirit, that we would get rid of sin. But Father, even more than that, I pray, Jesus, that you would help us to fix our eyes on sharing and loving people well.
0: If you have questions about this week's message, or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love we can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.